This morning we continue through our Lenten series on floating home in the river of grace. Floating home in the river of grace. And in particular, we've looked at ways that we can find our home in our relationship with God and use the tools to allow God's mercy, His gift, His grace to get us in a place um, where we can experience God's best. Because I don't know about you, I mean, there can be some challenges along life's way, right? I think of some of our young parents of the preschoolers today, some of you guys, how, you know, having to change poopy diapers, having to shuttle them here, there, and everywhere, having to uh, keep up and pay the bills and do all the things you've got to do. It can get stressful. I know I was there Gosh, I guess it's been about 10 years now, but I still remember what it was like. It's not easy raising young kids. It's not easy raising grandkids. And so in these moments, it's good to find a way to experience God's best, to have strength in your life when, uh, when kind of all else is going crazy. And so to help us with that today, we want to look at the topic of prayer, how prayer is a tool of grace that helps us find a home with God. To help us with this, we turn to Jesus and his teaching in the 18th chapter of Luke. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to read along. Or if you have a Bible app as well, that works. But this is the story that Jesus told to his disciples 2,000 years ago. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, and finally he said to himself, Well, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, the professional religious guy, stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like the robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? 
Lord, I thank you for the time together we have today to listen to your word and to learn how to pray a bit better and to help our families learn to pray a bit better as well. Because, Lord, it's all about our relationship with you and making it through this crazy life. So I pray be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus takes the time here to talk about the importance of prayer. And I don't know about you, maybe sometimes it gets easy to feel like, is anyone really listening to my prayers? What's the point of prayer? If there's a God, if he already knows everything, then why do he need me to pray? But Jesus here clearly says that one of the greatest opportunities we have as human beings, one of the best vehicles of encountering that amazing grace that we sing about is through learning how to be a person of prayer and learning how to help our families as well learn how to pray and pray well and so jesus gives his challenge to the disciples thousands of years ago he gives his challenge to us here today and that challenge is you should always pray and not give up Pray all the time, in every circumstance, in every place, everywhere. Keep on praying and don't quit. Let your prayers keep on going. Prayer is one of the great privileges of life. And so Jesus begins to paint a picture for us of what prayer is like and teach us some principles of effective prayer. But the most effective principle of prayer, he says, is persevere. Keep on praying. Make talking to your Creator a habit. You may say, well, Chris, I don't know if God ever hears me. I, I don't know. It sounds, sometimes seems like my prayers are bouncing off the wall. Well, it may for a while, but I promise if you're persistent, you will find the answer you need. Now, Jesus gives us the example of this with a really bad judge. He says, I want you to imagine, for an instance, that you've got a problem like this widow. Now, widows, guys in the ancient world, they were kind of on the bottom of the totem pole, right? No one listened to widows. No one did much to help widows. They usually couldn't make a lot of money. They struggled to take care of their children. They were just stuck many times in the ancient world. And so it would be unlikely for a widow to be able to go to court and to get help in a matter of justice with, with something unfair going on in her life. But yet, we find this widow has that persistence that doesn't give up. And so she goes to the judge and says, Judge, I need your help. Please help me. But again, the judge says, eh, You're nothing but a widow. We have a picture here of the kind of judge that really just doesn't care. He's not worried about life. He's not worried about death. He's not worried about facing the, his creator and having to give an account for how he lived his life and what he did. And he definitely really doesn't care about other people. He's in it for himself. And so for a while, he doesn't do anything. But this widow, she doesn't give up, does she? She keeps coming back over and over and over again. And as a result, eventually, the unfair, the bad judge says, you know what? 
this widow is a squeaky wheel. And I'm not getting rid of her. She's going to keep coming back. And in the Greek, here it says she might attack me. In the Greek, it's sort of like she's just going to keep on coming back till she starts slapping me around. That's, that's what the Greek means. She's, she's not going to stop until she keeps slapping me around. So I guess I better do something. I'll solve her problem now, and so she won't be my problem later. She was persistent in her prayer. Jesus says, be like that. He says, be like that because unlike a totally unjust judge, we have a God in heaven who is infinitely better, infinitely better than that kind of judge. And we have a God in heaven who listens to us. We have a God in heaven who doesn't just bring us justice, but will do it quickly. God answers prayer. When we pray, things will happen. So the second point is, is not just to persevere in prayer, but also develop a trusting relationship with the one you're praying to. So many of us, we think of God, if God exists, that he's somewhere way out there in space and He's really not a whole lot interested in my life, and maybe if he was kind of interested, I'm probably not doing too much to make him happy anyway, so, so I'm probably not in a position for him to do much for me. And so we just kind of give up on it and think we are stuck. We're alone, and the unfairness of life is just, it's just the way the world is, and there's no hope for change. There's no hope for answers. There's no hope for a better future. But Jesus, in telling this story, says, you have a father who made you, who knows you better than anybody else. He made every person on this planet, and every person has the right, the ability, the opportunity to cry out to me day and night, not giving up in prayer. And as you begin to enter that, you'll enter into a relationship with me that will make a difference in your life today. So trust the one you pray to. He's not a bad judge. He's not out to get us. He loves us infinitely and totally and completely and will hear our prayer and help and help quickly. Well, that's not the only story that Jesus told that day. He then went on to another story to sort of figure out how do you become a person that God might actually listen to? How do we become a person who will be heard when we cry out to the Father? And so he gives us a story again. And in this story, we have a, a professional religious guy. He knows how to pray and pray well. And as he begins to pray, he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like all the other suckers in this life and all the other trouble and problems in this life. You know, Lord, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. This is our first example of how not to pray. If you pray like this, Jesus says, you very likely won't be heard. There are two problems with this prayer, aren't there? The first problem is, is he prays his prayer comparing his life with all the people worse than him. Now, that may make him feel better, 
But that doesn't bring a smile to God's face at all to make him feel better than everybody else. God is a God who loves each and every one of us. No matter how good we are, no matter how great a prayer we are, no matter how professional we are as a religious person, even like a preacher, God doesn't care about all that. He doesn't care if you are a robber or an evildoer or an adulterer or even a tax collector like this guy next door. The second thing that the Pharisee did wrong is he then boasted about all the good things he did and who he was, didn't he? The second thing he did, he says, Listen, Lord, you know I fast twice a week. Lord, you know that uh, not only do I fast, but also I give generously every time the offering plate goes by. And so as uh, he shares about this, he boasts about his goodness in hopes that that will open heaven's gates for God to answer his prayer. And again, Jesus says, no. Praying is not about how good we are. Praying is about how good God is. Amen? And that he loves us. And so the Lord says, eh, that one's not going to work. He says, what about this tax collector? This guy that knew that he was in trouble. He knew he was out of sync with God. He knew that he had gained a prosperous life. He was probably doing well. He probably had lots of money because he took all the money from everybody else. But it had not brought him happiness. It had not brought him fulfillment. It had not brought him joy. And so the only thing that he can utter in his prayer, he can't even look up to God. He can't even look up to heaven. Instead, he beats on his chest and he says, God, have mercy on me a sinner I know I've blown it I know I've messed up and I need you and Jesus says it's this fella the outcast of the community that went home with a right relationship with God that day so the third principle we learn about effective prayer is the best kind of prayer is a humble prayer and an honest prayer a humble prayer and an honest prayer. God doesn't want to hear how good Chris is. God doesn't want to hear that, uh, that I'm so much better than all the other riffraff around town. No, God wants to hear that, Lord, I need you just as much as anybody else. Would you step into my heart and life today and make me into something better? And so, these are some of the tips of prayer that, that I hope you'll begin to embrace as you practice prayer in your life and with your family. Some of the other keys to prayer that I want to kind of share about are the different ways we can pray. We can pray about different things, can't we? And we see several examples of kind of the main components of prayer for a person's life. The first component of prayer, which... The interesting part is it actually comes from the Pharisee is learning how to pray prayers of thanksgiving. Pray prayers of thanksgiving. This one part, the Pharisee, actually gets right. The first four words in his prayer were great. It's the rest that goes downhill, right? What were the first four words? God, I thank you. 
he had stopped right then and there, he probably would have done okay. I thank you prayers are great prayers to pray. I prayed an I thank you prayer on the way into church this morning. As I was in my car headed this way, I was at the first traffic light to turn left to head toward church. There at that traffic light, um, the light turned green. I, you know, the, everything looked clear. I zipped into the median, began to turn left. And right as I turned this way, there's this van bearing down on me right here and probably missed my vehicle by a yard or two just zipped right through, ran the red light flat out. I was like, what are you doing? I saw my life flash before my eyes. I thought for sure our van that's lasted for, gosh, 14, 15 years now was about toast. But thanks be to God, I made it okay. And the van, the other van slowed down, right? That was a big prayer of thanks. And And upon looking back, I noticed the sun coming up on the horizon. So this person was looking right into the sun. And so there was no way they could see what light. All they saw was sun. They didn't see red. They didn't see green. They didn't see yellow. They didn't even see me. They just saw the sun. And so I gave a prayer of thanks that I made it to be here in worship today. That's our first kind of prayer, to say thank you, God. The second kind of prayer that we see in the first parable is the prayers for help. It is good, it's appropriate, that when life gets unfair, when we get in unfair situations with others, it's very appropriate to ask God to step in and help. Now, in the church, we have a name for this. It's called supplication. But supplication is just a fancy Christian word for ask God for help in your life, right? And so that's also a very important prayer that's incredibly helpful day in and day out. But not only ask for prayers for help for us, we can also, and this is an important part of being a a community of faith, sort of connected together as a family, is that we pray for each other, right? That we ask for help one another and one of those areas where we ask for help is called intercession and every follower of jesus every believer in prayer part of our work is to develop a relationship where we pray not just for our stuff but we pray for each other's stuff too we intercede for other people like right now we're interceding for those in ukraine especially And then uh, the last piece that we see, especially in the tax collector's prayer, and that piece is the importance of the prayer of confession. The prayer of confession. That prayer of humility and honesty that says, Lord, I'm not in a good place. I need your mercy because I am a sinner. This is perhaps one of the most important, vital, life-giving prayers to help us encounter God, live in a relationship with Jesus, and walk in the power of His Spirit, is learning how to be honest with our prayers of compassion, I mean prayers of confession. We see in this prayer that this tax collector in his own head, he knows who he is. He knows where he's from. He knows that he's blown it. 
He knows that as the community looks at him, they see him as a traitor. He knows his life is a mess, and though he has all the money he could ever want, that it is not what he needs most. What he needs most is a reconnection with his creator. And so he prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now that word, have mercy, has got some... uh, the real meaning there is, is a lot fancier religious language again, so I'm going to teach you some more words. That word for have mercy is the word propitiation. Propitiation is not a word you hear very often anymore, but the idea is, is God, my life is a mess, and if it doesn't get cleaned up and I can't clean it up, you've got to clean up my mess or I am toast. That's what propitiation means, right? A second word we use for it is the word propitiation leads to the need for atonement. Atonement is the second key word that goes with this. The idea of atonement is that we need to be made at one with God. Atonement is the work that makes us and reconnects us to God. And you, say, you may say, well, that's amazing. All that's in that word. Well, that, it's in there, right? And so in this word is this idea that, that this tax collector has in his heart, I need to reconnect with the one who made me. And if I don't reconnect, I am stuck. And so, Lord, have mercy on me because I can't fix it. I need a Savior because I've learned that though I can have lots of money, and nice toys and nice, well, he didn't have cars, maybe nice camels and nice donkeys. I'm missing you. And I'm missing love. And I'm missing kindness. And I'm missing care for others. So Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is some of the most powerful and important prayers we could ever pray to get to a place in life where we know that we need Jesus. Because it's only through faith in Jesus that we can live in God's grace and experience his best for us and for our families. I think that thing that Jesus said, he kind of tacks on to the end of that first parable. Did you catch it? That last verse? He says, however, you know what? When I come back, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? When he comes back to this planet, he was beginning to wonder, will human beings get so self-interested and so selfish and so self-oriented and so much into materialism and prosperity and blessing and all those other things out there that they will forget how much a prayer life and a relationship with me can make an eternal difference in their lives. Will I find faith on the earth? Or will I find a bunch of hard-hearted, selfish, hateful, closed-minded and closed-hearted people who don't know how to love anymore? So this is my prayer for you today. I pray that you'd learn how to pray wonderful, awesome, vibrant prayers. 
pray that you'd learn how to pray like George Mueller. You may not know the name George Mueller, but in the history of the Christian faith, he is a giant. He lived about 150 years ago. He ran an orphanage in North, Eng- in North England. And uh, there in England, you know, he'd have, he'd have to keep up with a bunch of kids like this, a whole bunch of orphans. And there'd be some days he'd get up in the morning, right? He'd look into their cupboard and there would be no food. Nothing to eat for the orphans in, under his care. But he didn't worry about it. No, he knew this stuff and he lived it out. And so he'd go to the Lord that morning. He'd gather the kids around the table and say, okay, guys, we don't have anything to feed you today, but we know who does. We've got a father who answers us quickly. And so, Lord, please provide for uh, my children today that are under my care in Jesus' name. Amen. He would pray it. And within a few minutes, there would come a knock at the door. And the milkman would come with all these milk bottles under his arms and he would say oh George my milk cart broke down just about a hundred yards from your house and all this milk is going to spoil and so I can't deliver it to everybody else but I can give it to you George you want some milk for your kids he says thank you Jesus right and then five minutes later a knock came at the door a second time and this time it was the local baker and the local baker said George, God woke me up extra early this morning and said, you've got to bake extra bread for George and his his children in need. And so here I've come with bread for the day. I hope you can use these for your children. And once again, he said, thank you, Jesus. And that's how he lived. That wasn't, (laughs) this isn't a one-time deal. Over and over and over again. He was a guy that when he prayed, he knew God so well trusted him so much had faith so deep that he knew god would supply his need and quickly so brothers and sisters one of the main avenues we grow in grace is the avenue of prayer not just for us but learning to pray as a family do you have prayers with your family with your children with your grandchildren with your great-grandchildren you know, in our family, we tried to structure time that every night before bed would be a time of prayer where I would pray for my kids or where they would pray as well. Every evening around the dinner table would be a time of prayer and we would take turns. The kids knew they'd have to take turns saying the prayer for that week and maybe early on it would be a, just a basic children's prayer like, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. But as the older they got, they began to learn, well, let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Or let's pray a prayer of help. Or let's pray a prayer of confession. And so they began to grow in their prayer life too. Because one of the greatest privileges we have is prayer. One of the greatest opportunities we have to make a difference is to teach our children to lean on God in prayer too. I close with one final story of answered prayer. It's the story of a young mom who had a young boy that was growing up. He had reached his teenage years and just was kind of lazy. She never, she wondered if he was ever going to make anything of his life, and she just wasn't sure. So she was a young Christian in her faith, and she began to pray for her son. As her son got older, he got involved with girls, and not just one, lots of girls. In fact, one of them had his child, but they weren't married. And so his mom kept praying more. 
And finally, in her prayers one day, God gave her a vision of her son encountering a living relationship with Jesus. And she said, yes, God has answered my prayer. So she kept on praying. Nine years later, when the young man had finally reached the age of 32, he encountered Jesus, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ for the first time. And his life completely changed. He went on to feel called to go into the ministry, and so he became a local pastor. And from being a local pastor, he rose to the ranks and served the church ultimately as a bishop, not just any bishop, but one of the leading theologians of any church age. You see, his name was St. Augustine, who lived in 400 AD. And he attributes his faith in Jesus to the powerful and consistent and regular prayers of his mother. Prayer changes things. May you grow to be more like Jesus and more like these other warriors of prayer so that we may grow in grace and find God's best. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for us today. Maybe we've only learned children's prayers and those don't seem to be of much effect anymore. Or maybe at a place where we've cried out for help in emergency, but, but don't think about you or turn to you much after that. Or perhaps we just feel like we've never been good at prayer, especially praying out loud with family around or other people around. But Lord, I pray for each and every one here that we will embrace how important prayer is. The great opportunity to talk to you and to get to know you and to live in a relationship with you. So, Lord, give us a hunger to cry out to you day and night, to be persistent and not give up, but know that you hear us when we come humbly and honestly and offer you our lives. So, Lord, have mercy on us today, for we are sinners, sinners who need you to save us in this moment of prayer. In Jesus' name I pray.